Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Wednesday, February 15th. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino, and we are here just a day after the Super Bowl. Yes. You guys enjoy your Super Bowl? Yes, indeed. Well, I sort of enjoyed it. I Woody beer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I enjoyed watching it. I'm good enough where I'll share it with you. Fast pay, <laughs> fast go. friends, Jim. That's right. So we expect to see that transaction completed and posted on social so that uh, yes. everybody knows yes. you you keep your, uh, your bets. Lord, that's right. Now, we were texting around pictures of food. Right before, right. right before the Super Bowl. And Woody, you had a feast you cooked up over there. Well, what? we boiled crawfish on Friday night, so you take all the leftover crawfish, and we made a bisque. And then I had a wild hog ham that had been hanging in the cooler for over two weeks that I injected, put it on. Um, God, I don't even know what else we cooked. I cooked some Kansas. I, I like to say hand-fed, but it's grass-fed. Uh, ground beef burgers, yeah, it was fire. That all looked great. And Jim, yeah. you you were right. You were yeah, right. I had a I had a cooked a bone in ribeye uh, nice. that was about twenty inches thick. It That's seemed slow. like, and I actually slow cooked it, slow and low, y'all, mm. for about three hours. So wow. it was it was perfect. I broke my rule though. I good. said when the game came on, I was going to be done cooking, but I wasn't. Because yeah. I took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was very jealous because I was driving back from visiting my in-laws in Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, just planned to watch the game with my sons and a couple of their uh, their buddies. And so it uh, <laughs> it became Uber Eats wings. Right. <laughs> so hardly uh, hardly held up to your standards. I but thought, I thought you said you had a Big Mac. <laughs> no, I, that, that was the joke. I sent you guys a picture of a quarter pounder. Right, a quarter pounder. I was trying to make you feel guilty, hoping you'd, you'd bring in some leftovers <laughs> yeah. for me today, Woody, but you didn't. You're right. But let's talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. You might say, Super Bowl, well, what does that have to do with crime? Well, I think there were some major crimes committed during the Super Bowl and around the Super Bowl, and we're going to talk about a few of them. So number five on my list of the five biggest crimes of the Super Bowl is concession prices this is at the Super Bowl. It's insane. That's, hey, that beer costs more <laughs> than the most expensive strip club. Not that I've ever been there. Been there. No. So one, any. But if you I, were to go, I, I am I'm not paying twenty four dollars a beer. Well, let's let's just run through just a couple of menu items. So this is standard concession inside of State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona during the game. You would pay twenty five dollars for a Bud Light or Michelob Ultra. Those are twenty five ounce beers that yeah. they are selling in these special commemorative cups. Twenty five dollars, twenty two fifty. For a cocktail, mm-hmm. if you want to uh, 
uh, spice that up with a premium or a second uh, a second shot in it, you're looking at thirty dollars for uh, a single uh, cocktail. This was the one that that <laughs> I thought was just the most egregious. Seventeen dollars for a chili cheese dog. That's love. <laughs> That's. I mean, what do you that think? That cheese you, dog better do something sexy. What do you for think me? the actual? <laughs> what do you think the actual cost to deliver a chili cheese dog? Probably a dollar twenty-five. I can tell you how much the beer is. A regular sixteen uh, ounce Michelob Ultra uh, in a can, the aluminum can, costs a dollar eighty-seven. Now, out of my two kegerators, it's only thirty-seven cents for sixteen ounces. There you go, and, it's, and it tastes much better. <laughs> It definitely tastes better. You have to be in the mind. volume consumption business yeah, yeah, go, for all that. We go, we go through a, a keg a week. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a fraternity house. <laughs> it really it's is. Frat house but you know, at four kegs, the whole keg rate paid for itself. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Six fifty for a bottle of water. That's so That's stupid. It, but it's Arizona mountain water. I mean, come on. Yeah, okay, right. You got to go all the way to Arizona it's to Colorado, get it. Colorado I, I understand. I drink toilet water. <laughs> I've yet to see any sort of uh, estimate out there at the concession of the concession tally from the game, but I'll be on the oh, on the lookout for that. So that's that's crime number five. Crime number four: ticket prices. Oh yeah, this is ridiculous. The average price paid for a ticket to the game was sixty eight hundred dollars. Somebody got a lot of people got raped. It's ridiculous. It, it it actually, and for obvious, uh, it's obvious when you hear that price. But it it takes the possibility of a family game completely out of the equation. I, I mean, I wouldn't pay sixty eight hundred dollars if my mom or daddy was starting. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the truth. Yeah, it's it's totally ridiculous, and what it does is it only enables corporations at that point to be yeah. able to. Go, I mean, you basically own a giant corporation right. and you're sending your CEOs and they always people of that give nature. away a couple of tickets to military members or something. Right. Yeah. Like that makes up for it. Yeah. yeah. So they'll, they'll do, uh, the, the, the attendance was 67,827. That's capacity at, at that stadium. So even if you figure 7,827 of those overall tickets went to NFL employees, Team employees, family, uh, sponsors, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, those are tickets that never saw any kind of a, uh, a ticket market. That still leaves you know sixty thousand tickets out there. And if those sixty thousand averaged sixty eight hundred, that's north of four hundred million dollars right. in ticket sales. For them. And they had to eat and they had to drink some. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they had to get there. Right. And. And they had hotel to stay somewhere rooms, yeah. while they were Can there. Can you imagine how much the hotel rooms are? That's we should have looked that up. Today. No, they got to be a thousand dollars a piece. Look, the concessions, That's the concessions alone probably generated, I would say, at least another twenty million, thirty million. Yeah, if you're not there on a corporate expense account, I mean, yeah. if you're not there for for that reason, it's a it's a serious dent. I actually saw a couple of people on one of the pregame shows. These were chief fans. That came out from Kansas Drove, stayed for all the festivities right. leading up to game day, yeah. and yeah. then drove back to Kansas and on Saturday. I've actually, which uh, is, I've actually done that one in, in my younger days when it was at the Superdome. So my family, the running joke is, 
I, I said, I was there for that Super Bowl. And they said, were you there or were you inside? Well, I was outside naturally. Yeah. I couldn't afford all the other shit. Look, well, I used I mean, to go to makes... LSU games when I was younger, yeah. and, and I would tailgate all day and not have a ticket to right. the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, tailgate this is like, was part of it. This is just crazy. Then reminds me going when I was broke, going out for the night. I'd get a twelve pack of beer and drink the whole thing for a one out. So I only had to buy like one beer. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's the way to do that. Good strategy. So y'all may be wondering, like, how does the NFL? Obviously, they don't sell these tickets at sixty eight hundred dollars a piece. So just to give everybody an idea of how it typically works, the NFL has a lottery and they'll do 500 pairs. So a thousand tickets via this lottery, you basically sign up. They don't give you the tickets for free. You still have to buy them, but you get the ability to buy those at face value and you get kind of right of first refusal. So face value is about a thousand dollars for a ticket. Now, 25% of those tickets, the NFL takes great pride in holding those back and they take those tickets and they put them out to the general public, not a lottery situation. They just put them out there. And what happens is brokers gobble every single bit of those up. So your, your uh, stub hubs and people like that will buy just, you know, I want 10,000 tickets at one time and they will sell them that. And then it's those people that, then turn around and sell the tickets for $6,800. So the crime to me is, and I would ask uh, both of you gentlemen that I'm going to defer to here, that's considered scalping in my opinion. Would it not be? So is that how is it legal for StubHub to allow a ticket to be sold so much over Facebook? I'm pretty sure somebody's getting paid on this table to kick back to the NFL. <laughs> well, it's a marketplace. So it's yeah. just like uh, what you saw about a month ago with uh, Taylor Swift and mm-hmm. Ticketmaster and Live Nation. And you know, you've got a lot of uh, consolidation that has gone on in the entertainment industry and people controlling big pieces of markets. Right. Ticketmaster has not a monopoly, but a huge market share within that space. The uh, uh the stub hubs of the world and the other uh, ticketing services go in, they buy as much upfront as they can, and then they let supply and demand determine their pricing, algorithm based, yeah. all of that stuff. They, and they also charge an exorbitant amount of fees. When, when I had sold sure. out my show at the House of Blues, I came to find out Ticketmaster was charging more in fees than, were, than I was charged for my tickets. I canceled. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's when you start looking into it, it gets it gets pretty scary. Almost as scary as the in-game advertising. So the average cost of a 30-second ad in this year's Super Bowl was right at six and a half million dollars. Yeah. And the audience uh, was roughly a hundred million people for the game, which right. that's one thing that this game still does. It's probably the only thing that exists anymore today where you can have an audience that size at one time, a a shared experience, if you will, a hundred million people all watching the same thing at the same time with as much fragmentation as we have and the proliferation of choice, 
across most days of the year, days of the week, hours of the day. You never see audiences uh, remotely resembling that. The uh, the NFL in 2022, I believe, had 72 of the top 80 ranked individual television events of the year right. were NFL games. That's right. so NFL has this lock on audience that nothing it's else. It's part can, of our culture. Nothing else can yeah. bring together. But yeah. it used to happen with uh, used to happen with the Oscars, and it used to happen with the <laughs> Grammys and things like that. It it happened. Uh, I think the the MASH, the final mm-hmm. episode of MASH was like 83 million or something. Oh, it was 1983, but it was somewhere around 80 million. That was the last huge one for a uh, for an individual television show. Except, so, except for Seinfeld. I think the, but it, Seinfeld was, was big, but it wasn't as, that big. It wasn't as big as uh, as MASH. So, you know, this is the Clinger. one chance, the one opportunity for uh, – <laughs> For a bre- how can your favorite mash characters be Klinger and Hot Lips? Well, <laughs> Where, anyway, I'm the old one here. Uh, you guys are talking about. Uh, I've seen every episode of Mash. Just watch my black and white television. Okay, moving moving right along. So there are about 60 ads in total during the game, right? That that the network controls. You also have some local ads that the local uh, Fox affiliate would have controlled on their own, but for the network itself, 60 ads at six and a half million dollars for each one is another three hundred and ninety million dollars. Right. And so the money is the money is adding up uh, pretty quickly here. So. Uh, so a crime uh, in terms of the price of the ads. And then I would argue the larger crime would be the quality of the ads. Mm-hmm. Any you guys, any ads that stuck out to you as. The, the one you like the most, the one you dislike the most, and strong feelings? Absolutely not. Most of the time when the ads came when I was running out to check my smoker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the the Google Pixel ad Hated that they it. ran, yeah, I, I did not care for that. Uh, for those of you that may have missed that one, it was uh, it was a ad basically promoting – the Google Pixel phone that has a new feature that basically allows users to remove unwanted visual elements from their phone. So, i.e., cancel yeah. friends that were no, that are no longer friends that you don't want in your picture. Right. Um, just wasn't a wasn't a big fan of how that how that ad was put together and uh, uh, just hated it. To I don't be know. Honest. Anyone, I thought it was a, a waste of money. I don't know anyone who owns one of those phones. Do you guys? I don't either. I don't, either. I don't personally. I mean, they've spent a fortune in marketing. I mean, it's Google for crying out loud. You, you would think they would have figured out a way to get some market share for, for that phone. But I, I, I don't know anybody who's, uh, who's got it. If you are a, uh, a real life, real crime daily listener, that is a loyal Google pixel user. We'd love to hear from you and talk about it. I have to say, I, I love him normally in most things he does. But when your persona is to be, you know, kind of an idiot, uh, Rob Gronkowski's thing is we've come yeah. to, they've marketed, they've marketed him as an idiot. Even Tom Brady has marketed Gronk as an idiot. And now we've got this situation where Fox is putting him on their pregame show. I've yet to see 
I'd like to hear, uh, you know, a, a real a lucid analysis of something going on in a game coming out of Gronk's mouth. Right. It's, it's all sort of Gronk. And they put together this fan duel thing where he's going to kick a field goal for somebody to win $10 million. Yeah. Okay. Well, was it $10 million? I think it was $10 million. I think it was 10000 It was 10000 10, yeah. can't be $10 Well, first of all, I thought the way that they were marketing, I thought it was going to happen like, you know, you take the half-court shot at, at an NBA game. Like they right. were going to stop in between the third and fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, right. and Gronk was going to come out, and 70,000 fans were going to be booing Gronk, and, and he was going to, you know, kick the, kick the field goal. But it wasn't. It was a live commercial from some other location where he attempts the the kick. I, it, it lost a lot of the luster that I thought it would have had, but he also shanked, <laughs> he shanked the kick and yeah. missed it. And, you know, any sort of, but he uh, saved $6,800 on a ticket for the game. <laughs> and that is yeah. Woody's outside well, the box. That, that, thinking one, right that, one there. Was a, that one was a loser. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let, let's go to ones we liked. Were there any that I, we liked? I, I do have one that I actually like, and I, I know it's been discussed, but anything with my girl Jennifer Lopez, oh, she man. wanted a glaze. <laughs> Evidently, I said Duncan something about Donald. her working out and her abs at 53 or 55, however she is. And you said what well, she works out like 12 hours a day, which is 10 hours more than you do, Woody. I submit that's probably 12 hours more a day than I do. <laughs> but anything, <laughs> ever since she was on In Living Color as a dancer, when I was like 20, 21, been in love with her. My wife knows that. I'm not saying anything. Jenny from the block. Even Anaconda? Yeah, well, you know what? I watched it. <laughs> Then man loved it. Not a not a J Lo guy. I loved the Ram fifteen hundred Rev ad. Absolutely loved it. Um, They're big on electric vehicles. So yeah, lots of EV stuff. Yeah. So um, 
for those of you that may have missed that one, what they tried to do with this commercial was mimic a erectile dysfunction ad. So and the <laughs> the whole notion of the ad was premature electrification. So uh, the ad basically defined as the prospect of buying an electric vehicle at the moment in time when the battery life is insufficient to get you where you want to go. And, you know, the Rev 1500 truck, it, one of the things that they're touting with this EV is that its battery life is is phenomenal and you won't have the problem of running out of gas or running out of electricity right when you need it most, much like erectile dysfunction. So I actually thought it was hilarious and I liked it. Yeah, uh, I did too. I think there were mixed reviews online about that one and, and, but I'm, I'm with you. The, uh, uh, I might have a little pill. I pop every, I, every so I, often calling, to help me with my I, I'm uh, electrification. Bullshit on EV and ED. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like either one of them. I was a big breaking bad guy. So yeah, I loved I putting yeah. Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston together in that chip they, thing. They actually I interviewed them ahead of time. corners or, yeah. or whatever. You remember that one? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, that was, uh, that was very good. Cool. It was a good one. Anytime you can do that. I'm watching, do you guys watch, uh, your honor? Yes. 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 It's, uh, uh based in New Orleans. They shoot it in New Orleans. It's yes. Brian Cranston as a judge. Well, now in season two, he's a, a former judge, right. but he's a judge whose son, How? Happens in an accident to run over the mafia, <laughs> the Baxter, son of Baxter. the uh, the mobster. I haven't that runs. seen that. Oh, it's yeah, great! Yeah, yeah. You, wow. have to, you have to you have to check it's it. Sounds out. Sounds good. But, uh, uh, really cool. He's so a good, he's check a out actor. season two of of Your Honor. Okay, so number two on the list of crimes at the Super Bowl, sticking with the money, is broadcast rights. Listen to this, you guys. So NFL rights from 2006 to 2013, that contract or that series of contracts, because you have multiple networks that they uh, distribute their content through, was $20.4 billion. So $2.55 billion a year from 06 to 13. Then the next contract they signed or contracts were 2014 through 2022, $39.6 billion or $4.4 billion a year. So that's a nice raise from $2.55 billion a year to $4.4 billion a year. And the brand new contract that runs from 2023 to 2033 is for $110 billion. It's $10 billion a year, more than double what the contract they just rolled out of was. I mean, it's crazy. And you wonder why... uh, these quarterbacks are making $50 million a year. You see it right there. Okay, so I'm going to give a couple honorable mentions as crimes of the Super Bowl. I have to give the halftime show. I'm sorry. An honorable mention as, as a crime of the Super Bowl. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, but n- number one, uh, tell us she's pregnant. She is, yeah. I know, but tell us ahead of time. You, you're you, there's. Well, I knew that. You don't follow her on Instagram? Shit. I, I, I like some Rihanna now. I, I learn I, things I, about Jim every day. I was, I'm a Rihanna I was fan. outside barbecuing. Okay, Woody's barbecuing. You already know because know. you, you watch her, her TikToks, whatever. Yeah, but right. uh, for most of uh, of America, there was the surprise of, of her being pregnant. There was 
the issue of putting a pregnant woman on these little platforms 150 feet in the air. Shout out to her for doing that. And um, I mean, that look, I'm not even scared of heights, really. And that would have freaked me out. Okay, so give it to her on that. Here's the thing. If you're, I don't know how many months pregnant she is. She appears to be fairly Jim from her I want to say that you know? she's had the baby. She no, no, just no, no, had no, no, no. She did just have a baby. Okay. She got pregnant right away again. Oh, I got you. Ah, so, I didn't know that. So uh, you're maybe not that up yeah, to speed on her no. TikTok. Yeah, so <laughs> this, is, this is a new pregnancy. Okay. And the thing is. Same day. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Baby day. Okay, the, just the, the imagery of a pregnant woman doing the the crotch grabs and then she did a crotch oh, I did grab. See her grab her ass crotch, no, just yeah, she did that too, in, but yeah. she did a crotch grab in the beginning and then fingers right up oh, to her on. nose. <laughs> yeah, she she sniff checked. So that. is that she did that? Is that I'm really close to my baby? Bro, why and, is that a fucking crime? That's all. You well, this, sniff um, check your baby. She did a sniff check with a baby. Your in baby's there. house. Um. <laughs> I gotta go. Uh, I, I gotta go. Thumbs down on on that Holy for that reason. Shit. The the honor, other honorable mention. Although I have to say, on balance, I had the over on the amount of damage Eagles fans would cause. And the thing about Eagles fans is, it doesn't matter if they win or lose. You know they're going right. to do a lot of damage no You're matter right. what. It's just it's in the the DNA. I, I don't know what they would do in the event of a tie. I think that would. <laughs> That would kind of, uh, you know, get them get them mixed up. But they even flipped a car over on Broad Street way before the game started. So that was sort of the mm-hmm. the rioting pregame show was let's get warmed up yeah. by doing a doing a car flip. So uh, you know you but but again on on balance, uh, I don't think anybody got seriously hurt. Didn't see that. You know, a bunch of arrests bunch of people on poles, even though those poles were greased. So I don't know yeah, exactly what yeah. they did to get to, to get up on the first those time things, they but... greased them in Tiger Stadium. Yep. We threw them down Florida game, 1997. Okay. The last and final crime. And again, I'm no Eagles fan, but uh, you can't throw a flag on that play. I mean, you just can't throw a flag. First of all, the flags were in the ref's pockets all game. I don't remember. Uh, I mean, there were... Uh, it was a delay of game, I remember. I remember multiple flags they should have thrown that they didn't. This was a game where it was clear, let them play. In some games, the whistle's blowing all the time. Other games, the messaging is pretty clear. We're letting them play. Was there a little tug? Sure, there was a little tug. But it wasn't an egregious tug. And where the ball ended up on the uh, on the throw, there was no way, if there wasn't a tug, that was going to be completed. And to to take all of the drama. There was so much drama building. It was like when they did that, you could hear this collective, oh shit, come out of the entire audience in the stadium. I mean, all of a sudden got quiet because everybody knew the game was over based upon that call. I don't think you can end a game that way. By the way, the head referee, not sure he was the one who made that call, probably not the one who made that call, was a guy named Carl Sheffers. C-H-E-F-F-E-R-S. I want to let him know how you feel about it as well as the the NFL. But that just bad form, especially the, the Chiefs the two weeks ago against the Bengals yeah. won on a and, and that was a call you had to make in that in that game because it was an obvious uh roughing penalty hitting uh, Mahomes out of bounds. But uh 
you know, anticlimactic because of because of that. So I've got that as the number one crime, robbing the fans of a real finish of the Super Bowl, which we all deserved. And football is over. Don't football, remind me. Football is over. For however many months. We're recording uh, on Tuesday for uh, a release to you guys uh, at midnight on Wednesday. So we're recording on Valentine's Day. Yeah, I got a couple things I want to say on that. I'm about to educate all you <laughs> lovers out there. Drop, the drop real, some knowledge on us. The real deal. First of all, I don't celebrate Valentine's. Uh, it's not because I'm a whatever. Uh, my wife knows I love her. I told her this morning, <laughs> every day is Valentine's Day, right? <laughs> but, but it got started on this day in history on February 14th, two. 170 A.D., when a guy named St. Valentine was beaten, beheaded, for defying the emperor's marriage ban. So this third-century Roman priest, Valentinus, was brutally beaten and beheaded after marrying couples in defiance of Emperor Claudius II's ban on the sacrament of marriage. On this day in history, February 14, 27 A.D., when Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. Valentine was arrested and dragged before the prefect of Rome, who condemned him to be beaten to death with clubs and have his head cut off. The sentence was carried out on February 14th, on or about the year 270 A.D. The execution of the priest committed to betray committing the marriages, not committing marriage, but performing the marriages, is celebrated around the world as St. Valentine's Day. The celebration of romance has been secularized in recent decades as Valentine's Day. The holiday's association with roses and romance stands in sharp contrast to St. Valentine's grisly execution or the contemporary fixation with the saint's dismemberment and body parts. So you have it. That's how you go out there and get your chocolates and shit. Because this priest got well, murdered for murder. Yeah, but, marrying but there was a guy there that attended by the name of Godiva, who the <laughs> next year in 271 AD launched a chocolate company <laughs> and okay. has done quite well with that. What's the, the name sense? of the uh, genius. flower company? Pure genius. The, the Sprint guy on it. Yeah, that's all a scam, y'all. The, uh, in my it's, world, all it's all a scam. <laughs> it's a man made holiday, uh, so you can sell flowers, restaurants to be full. Condom sales probably go up. Uh, a lot of babies. <laughs> Wait, so you, you're you're just completely anti? I, just, I don't do it. He's what, anti. I'm not me what about Halloween? Doesn't exist. Oh, either. I love Halloween. You love Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be my favorite holiday besides New Year's Eve. Okay. So, all right, I'm gonna take it up now. I've been to this place. Uh, I got Cindy and WL to go on this tour. Actually. Uh, in Chicago this summer. But we're going to tell you the story of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Now, I know y'all know this, but during Prohibition, the, uh, Prohibition basically y'all just made gangs absolutely do what they do, and everybody was going to drink. So they found a way to set up the supply connections and get alcohol into the cities, and was special Chicago, right? So Chicago became one of the largest centers for gang activity in the country. And gangs ruled the streets. Of course, everybody knows about Al Capone. Uh, Al Capone wants to run all his shit together and eliminate his rivals in the illegal trades of bootlegging, gambling, and prostitution. 
They had a rash of gang violence, but it reached this bloody climax. I don't think those two words should be used together. <laughs> I was just bloody climax the in a garage on the city's north side on February 14, 1929. On that morning, two men dressed as policemen entered a warehouse, lining up the seven men inside of front of a wall like it was a raid. The men joined by two others dressed as civilians, pulled Tommy guns and other weapons from the jackets and opened fire. Seventy bullets later, all seven were dead on the floor, soaked with blood. And but y'all, this was no raid gone wrong. The warehouse on Clark Street was used to store liquor by George Bugs Moran. His North Side gang was a thorn inside of Al Capone and Basically, Al Capone, you know, is eliminate Bugs Moran. Uh, the two gangs had been at odds for months. Moran's gang hijacking Capone's shipments, killing his allies, and providing competition for businesses. By 1929, tension between the two gangs had reached a boiling point. And when the news of the crime broke later that day, all suspicions fell immediately on Capone. Uh, Frank Hock Gusenberg. Moran's enforcer was the only one still alive when the cops arrived at the garage, the real cop shawl, but refused <laughs> to reveal anything before he died from his injury several hours later. Moran himself, who wasn't at the warehouse at the time, said that only Capone kills like that. But it is suspected that Moran was the intended target of the massacre, but he arrived later than the others and saw the fake police officers entering the warehouse and fled the scene. Thinking it was right. I submit he ran like a little bitch. <laughs> Capone himself was in Florida at the time, giving him an ironclad alibi, and no one was ever arrested or tried for these crimes due to the lack of evidence. But the massacre was eventually a credit to Capone. Wow. The St. Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day massacre. That, 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 I think all that's left now is a piece of the wall. Uh, it's the, the warehouses. Oh, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a... It's a Pretty big tourist attraction. Okay, so serious question. Do you guys, so Jim, are you in the, do you guys not celebrate Valentine's Day? Oh, we celebrate at my house. Oh, you do? Okay. Mm -hmm. I ate like half a cake last night. Sucker, you bought. I bet you bought roses. Wait, you had you had your celebration last night. Well, my wife made my cake last night because um, she had to work early. So you get you get a special Valentine's cake. I do. Wow, what kind, what kind of cake is it? It was strawberry this year, and it was shaped like a heart, and she put the icing on it and everything, so be mine or something. Did, wow. Did you yeah. buy roses? I will be buying roses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those husbands that at 445 or so, yeah. I'll be in the line at, like, yeah. you know, the flower shop saying, oh, that looks pretty. I used to break up with girlfriends just because Valentine's Day was coming, <laughs> so I didn't have to buy me anything. <laughs> nah, I'm not cheap. I just didn't uh, like it. Wow. Wow. So, Sorry to all you no, I just, ladies, I'm like just all the ladies out there. Understanding the ways in which my wife has conditioned me over the years. So, so I, I bet you're a, a rose buyer, aren't you? Well, my understanding, my, my wife doesn't like red roses, so it's we'll do flowers, but it's that's not the the big thing. Her thing with all of the uh, female holidays is <laughs> well, is, is thoughtfulness. Female. So in my house, Valentine's Day is a one way street. Yeah, it's like. If everything goes right for me, there's one thing I'm getting. <laughs> right? if, every, that's, if I don't screw something up during right. the no delivery, intended, right. if I don't, you know, if I don't, 
F up something in the delivery of the day that, you know, should be for her and should be all about what a great wife she is and, and, and everything that she does for our family. So I, I've gotten to the point where I actually have the dogs write her. So not only do the kids get her cards, yeah. the dogs oh, uh, you're awesome. prepping it all get up. her. I want to go on the record for Jim and I, Satan. We're pulling for you, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, last night I even filled out a card from our recently deceased dog. So he's he's giving her a card. That's a lot. A card from the afterlife. That's how babies and uh, brother... Babies and sisters get made. Like, I'll yeah, keep hard from the afterlife. If I if I get permission, I'll I'll uh, I'll let you know. No uh, disrespect, the next Agamene, episode, Whether uh, no whether disrespect. Mike got a gift on Valentine's Day. I can tell you, not. I'm gonna get my gift if I want it. I shouldn't have said that. Probably. <laughs> Cindy's gonna get the gift. Yeah. <laughs> save us, save us, Jim. Save us. Oh, I can't wait to tell you all about this one. So. You know, we were probably one of the first to inform everyone in the United States of a balloon that had been shot down, a Chinese balloon, if you will, uh, just about, I guess this is, it's been about a week and a half ago, something like that. It hadn't been long enough where Friday night we're sitting around the fire, my buddies were in the middle of the country, and they decided one of them, uh, some bright light in the sky was moving upwards and downwards, mm-hmm. either it was game wardens. With now, why would the game wardens have a drone with a spotlight on it? The other one was is a Chinese balloon. Yeah, so we brought you that breaking news, and then I've been really paying attention not only to the sky but to the news. And y'all, we've been shooting stuff out of the sky ever since. As a matter of fact, I've been getting texts almost daily about uh, more and more F sixteens and. Uh, shooting down unidentified objects, not only in the United States airspace, but also in Canada's airspace. So we're going to get into that a little bit. Let me tell you all about this, because this is serious now. Um, There's been a lot of questions surrounding these massive shootings that have been taking place over our airspace, especially in the last week. Now, in the latest event, a high-altitude object was shot down on Sunday afternoon by an F-16 over Lake Huron, which Lake Huron is in between Michigan and Ontario. Now, the Pentagon said the object was not assessed to be a military threat, but was a flight hazard. Now, it did connect to to the craft via a radar signal that was picked up over Montana, which... Y'all, we talked about this with the China balloon. Montana is where we house a lot of the intercontinental missile silos. So that's a that's an issue. I don't want anybody flying anything over the missile silos and getting any information uh, that, that is none of their business, right? So on Saturday, a U.S. F-22 warplane operating on joint orders of the of, and get this, the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, fired a missile that took down an object flying at about 40,000 square feet over the Yukon, north of Canada. Who would you take in a fight, Biden or Trudeau, if they had to go out today? Right. Uh, I think Trudeau would be Biden's You think? Ass. Do you? Yeah. In a fist I fight? Think, yeah. yeah, I think, no, I, yeah, I think he, Biden might 
be able to handle Well, Biden today. is from Scranton. Yeah. They're tough he's, in Scranton. He's, Trudeau could be armed. He lived there for like five minutes. Trudeau could be armed with a bottle of little bat, so... Nobody said it's not a chance. It's not a chance that Trudeau drinks beer, even though he's Canadian. No, it'd be like a a champagne cocktail or something. Now, now you may ask yourself, though, uh, why are we shooting down, uh, you know, objects over over the Canadian airspace? And, you know, there's an expense to that. These missiles, they're about four hundred thousand dollars each. So we launch one, we shoot it, you know, we're giving $400,000 to Canada. Well, as Mike made clear earlier, uh, when we were talking off camera, Canada don't have no missiles. <laughs> they might don't have, have any sort of defense. They, might have they shoot icicles. Yeah. They shoot icicles. They, yeah, they slingshot. <laughs> They're going back to the AD time. So uh, long story short, it was described as a cylindrical object smaller than the Chinese balloon. So now you've got a object shaped like a cylinder, smaller than the Chinese balloon, and they're shooting that down. On Friday, an F-22 shot down another unidentified craft over Alaskan airspace. U.S. pilots were able to get up and around the object before it was shot down, and it was reported that it didn't appear to be carrying surveillance equipment. So they got up there, they looked at it, uh, and they say it didn't appair to be carrying surveillance equipment. I don't know. I gotta tell you shit. Yeah. Um, now there was also an object that they basically flew out to check out and that was Saturday. There was no object found, but radar picked up and detected something over the United States airspace. They just, there was nothing there to shoot when they got out there. Now this is all within like a week time period, y'all. So it is uh, not common for pilots to be sent off to shoot down unidentified objects over U.S. and Canada airspace. That's just not a common occurrence. Uh, In fact, the NORAD commander, and if you're unfamiliar with NORAD, that is our missile defense system, basically, and our our airspace defense system, So the commander of that, General Glenn Van Herrick, said recent objects shot down were likely the first kinetic action that NORAD or the U.S. Northern Command had taken against an airborne object over U.S. airspace. And that's key. Hey, I got to interrupt you on this part. Mm -hmm. I'm fucking up your jam. But the China just came out today. Their spokesman said, the United States military is trigger happy. So you're saying we hadn't done it. They're saying that's all we do. Right. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And um, would you expect any less from Beijing? Right. Right. So there's a lot of questions on this. My first question was, are we getting attacked by UFOs? And, uh, and I'll tell you what brought me, and I'm not saying I'm a big UFO guy, but there could be UFOs out there, they, and they I don't want to freak real. everybody out, but let real. me tell you this. We missed. There was one that we shot at. Missed. Missed. With a $400,000 down heat, the toilet. $440,000 is a heat-sinking missile. And we missed. Look. I shoot IRs all the time, and my bullets, I mean, I can, on the scope, it's nighttime, it's lit up. I don't have heat-seeking bullets, okay? Right. Damn near impossible to mess. Yeah. But you got 
heat seeking missile, you got to lock on. Lock on. You've all seen on, Top Gun. It's over with. So what you're saying is. I've got good time. There's an intelligence, whether artificial or real, yes, that physical. They, they, they just that, laughed that, at that missile. That maneuvered around. First of all, that missile. They could have bought 65 Super Bowl tickets. Right? For the and a, and a hot dog. Something to think That's about. That's exactly And they could have gotten some hot dogs. They're trying to break us financially. But, but seriously, if you had a choice, let's say we are getting invaded. Mm-hmm. There's no debate. We're being invaded. Right. And your choice is be invaded by the Chinese mm-hmm. or be invaded by aliens. I mean, I'm going aliens. I'm going aliens. There's a chance something good could be happening That's right. with the aliens. Well, because the aliens, I could, I'm, I'm telling you, if it's alien ships and they had malintentions, then they could have had weaponry that Oh, yeah, we'd be toast us, already. Like, so We'd be done. But their maneuverability but, is such that think about it. How do you miss? I mean, yeah, you got yeah, good so time. You're they, locked they, on. They it's may a balloon. It's not. They may be coming in to suck up some more atmosphere for fuel for their their fighters because shit's so polluted now, according to everybody else. The, the, uh, but aliens are real. Well, here's the I'll question. You, I'm telling you. Bit. Here's the question. Here's the question, and this is what makes me uh, made me think this. So. All of this is going on, yet your administration is not telling you anything. They're confirming that these things are being shot down, but they're not telling you what they were. Right. They're not telling you know. And trust me, they know. Yeah. They um. So the secrecy behind it makes me wonder. Now, there's been a lot of questions since this because the administration is not coming out and really talking and. One of those questions is, are the latest incidents linked in any way to the espionage program where, if you'll remember, we reported on this, uh, we were suspicious that the Chinese balloon was a big part of espionage with China. And, uh, you know, what, what kind of the feeling is out there is that any indication of successive Chinese breaches of U.S. airspace would mark a serious threat in U.S. China relations that are already being tested, y'all. It would basically start another cold war. Now, if they're not related to China, are the strange objects flying off of North America and over North America linked to some other hostile power group, corporate entity, anything like that? Uh, The truth is, y'all, we don't really know. Uh, we're not being told anything. So I would say stay tuned to this, uh, this podcast specifically, because we seem to have the no on a lot of this stuff that you'll get nowhere else, but our podcast. Well, we have redeployed the I team to the skies. Yes, so they are. Have. They are monitoring USA. <laughs> I still think they they're indeed. going for the people Naked in the yards and shit like that. It's not just missile silos and my money's on China. It's all the other shit they can get. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, remember the Ali Foreman fight? The the rope, the rope a dope fight? Right. I think this is Chinese rope a dope. Yeah. I think they're trying to break our economy $440,000 a missile at a time. (laughs) Well, the, the thing is, when information isn't flowing, 
Oh, Can conspiracy that? theories are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fear it's is. It's not flown because they don't have it. It's flown, not flown because they don't want us to have it. Well, so the government's not saying anything either because the government doesn't have enough information to say anything they are confident in. One possibility. Right. Second is uh, the the truth is damaging to the administration, to the government. And so they're trying to figure out how they're going to spin this. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Which I think the first flight across the country, they right. really went into spin mode uh, afterward. I mean, there's a overwhelming percentage of the U.S. that – uh, that believes we should have shot it down over Alaska or over Montana, but never have let it uh, drift all the way, didn't drift, uh, never let it uh, propel itself all the way uh, across the, the United States. And so, uh, but Jim, didn't they, didn't NORAD change, make some major adjustments in terms of their detection of these kind of things? Yeah. Before? So what they basically did was uh, these these missile systems uh, that basically are designed if there's an object headed to the United States, be it a nuclear missile or, or objects flying over the United States airspace, it will detect them, shoot them down, and thus protect us. Um, they kind of dialed up the sensitivity on that thing. So if, and I don't know how these work exactly, but if you set it to 50, and that was only shooting down something every now and then. Now they got it set to like 75. And it's, it's so it's really sensitive. So what they're saying is it's just picking up more objects than it ever has. Uh, and especially the satellite portion of that because the sensitivity is higher. Right. So these things could have been around for a long time. Possible. Right. I mean, we don't we don't know that they're new. We don't. I don't know, but I'm going to tell you something. Uh, the reason you haven't heard thus far the real truth is because Woody Overton told him to don't tell. <laughs> and when I tell him to tell, then we'll have the f- scoop on RRC daily. Okay, just give us, yeah, give yeah. us a heads up on I gotta when out, you're going to clear them. I got to figure out what kind of pictures they got of me first. <laughs> okay. I'm still rooting for real aliens, not Chinese ones. And hopefully they can cure cancer. Real aliens. Hopefully they can cure a lot of things. Right. Boom, Jim. So last week was week three of the Alex Murdaugh trial. And if you remember last week when we talked to you about it, we let you know that uh, the judge, Judge Newman, had just ruled that all of this uh, financial crimes-related evidence was going to be admissible. So they had a number of witnesses that had testified without the jury present. The judge made uh, the ruling Monday, and it's Judge Clifton Newman, and what he said is, quote, I find jury entitled to consider whether the apparent desperation of Mr. Murdoch because of his dire financial situation threat of being exposed from committing the crimes for which later charged with resulted in commission of alleged crimes. In other words, the, the prosecutions need to establish motive and that motive, according to the 
prosecution being these financial crimes, the judge viewed that it was in the uh, the people's interest. It was in the jury's uh, interest to uh, make these testimonies admissible. So that was the big bombshell that got dropped last Monday. There were a number of really weird things that happened. There was a bomb threat in the middle of the week. It was a bomb threat on Wednesday. They had to shut the uh, the courtroom and let the jurors out and uh, put Murdoch wherever they put him. And and, uh, it was like a three-hour delay before they uh, realized it wasn't a a credible threat. But there were a handful of uh, really meaningful things that went on. So I'll highlight a couple of the uh, the most significant ones uh, for you now. And what we uh, what we understand is likely is that the prosecution will rest their case Wednesday, Thursday, something like that, and that it will uh, take at least a week or so for the defense to present their side. So we're, you know, we're now looking uh, toward the, we're now looking at somewhere around the end of the month before we can expect any kind of a jury verdict here. But a couple of, a couple of other big items that came out. So Shelly Smith was Murdaugh's mother's caretaker assistant, whatever uh, you would want to, uh, uh, to call her. And if you remember uh, Murdaugh used as uh, part of his alibi that he traveled to his mother's house that night, uh, the night of the murders and uh, uh, and so Shelley Smith testified that uh, that he did uh, come to the house, that he stayed between 15 and 20 minutes. He had claimed to have been there 40 minutes. So we've got right. 20 minutes unaccounted for. Uh, but the, uh, the even larger uh, issue that she testified on was the existence of, she called it a tarp, a blue tarp, uh, but it was uh, it's actually a blue raincoat. That uh, that Murdaugh left at uh, at his mother's that night. That raincoat was taken by sled last year, last August, I believe. And a sled investigator by the name of Megan Fletcher uh, testified last week that the raincoat found at the parents' house. Uh, was tested on October 5th of 2021 and tested positive for more than 30 particles of gunshot residue on the inside. Fletcher called that a significant amount. Woody, would your experience is that, would that Uh, be a significant amount? I think that is significant, but what's more significant is it wasn't on the outside. You know why? Because it's a raincoat. He washed it off, but he didn't wash out the inside. Correct. Or, uh, she supposed that he might have been wearing it inside out. I don't know why he would he would wear it inside out. I don't but, think so. But I mean, if you're standing over someone you're shooting and it's open, you're going to get the uh, particles on you anyway. The outside, but not you would not get gun GSR on the inside without blood spatter on the outside unless you washed it off. Repeatedly last week, I don't uh, three or four different times, the uh, defense tried to get testimony thrown out or tried to uh, to go for a mistrial. They were all over the place and showed desperation at uh, at certain points in time, uh, slamming fists down on on tables, uh, etc. There was a bunch more 
testimony on the financial side of things. So uh, Murdaugh's CFO at the old law firm uh, testified. A lot of this, I guess, going to his uh, to his character. Uh, Jean Seckinger is her name. She testified that uh, that Alex manipulated people into settlements and clients into liking him. Quote, he did it through the art of bullshit. So she basically mm-hmm. said he's a, uh, a mover and shaker, major uh, bullshit artist. Uh, uh, focus was put on uh, this $792,000 in fees that were never paid to the firm uh, and instead were paid directly to, uh, to Murdaugh. That's where... Uh, his friend uh, Chris Wilson testified that he never got the hundred ninety-two thousand right. uh, dollars uh, that was part of that seven ninety-two back from uh, Murdoch. So you have former best friend, you have CFO, you have everything that went uh, with the former nanny Satterfield and and her kids. You have all of these financial crimes mounting. Uh, you also had testimony from uh, Tinsley, who represented. The uh, uh, the family of the girl that was killed in the uh, in the boat accident, and uh, and so it uh, it all piled up all week. the uh, The other big thing that came in was uh, a bunch of uh, telematics data out of his SUV. I happen to know a little bit about this because uh, I explored at one point in time using some of this data to project audiences for radio stations and uh, basically for in-car entertainment. And it's amazing what systems like OnStar are tracking in real time in these vehicles. Literally, if you, uh, if you change, uh, if you move your seat back, if you move the tilt of the wheel, if you change radio stations uh, or audio sources, if you uh, push in a cigarette lighter, every one of those things is tracked by the telematic system. So hmm. if someone gets in your car and drives it and they readjust the seat and put it back to a degree where they would know it's not the main driver right. that's driving, they track that stuff. So, you know, we talk about all the evidence coming out of the mobile phones here. Right. You also have evidence coming out of the uh, out of the telematics. And the biggest uh, evidence there was the number of times the uh, his... A suburban was put in park and then taken out of park right. and then put back in park, um, which, you know, would lead to uh, some of what he would have had to have done at Moselle in order to get out of there and, and uh, with bodies, et cetera. And so um, where, where sparks flied the most were during the testimony of a former housekeeper named Blanca Simpson. And this was on, on Friday and she testified. So she worked directly with Maggie. They had a lot of help there folks. Um, She worked directly with Maggie and she testified, which I think would qualify as hearsay. She testified that Maggie was, was worried about money because of the litigation the family was facing with the boat crash. And so uh, that I think would normally qualify as hearsay. It's not hearsay if she told her that directly. 
If, if okay. she just okay. over says I overheard her telling someone, but if she told her directly, it's not hearsay. Okay. Um, well, I don't know exactly what the objections were. So during during the objection, uh, and this was the other attorney, Meadows, uh, was uh, was questioning uh, Simpson. Uh, Harputlian slammed folders down on the defense table and uh, and said, "I would move for a mistrial." I don't think even if you guys, even if you give this jury an instruction, you can't unring the bell, meaning they can't unhear what has been said. So this person has is making uh, a bunch of claims about what Maggie Murdoch supposedly said to her, all things indicating uh, how bad their money problems were and how concerned she was about what Alex might do, given those uh, those money problems. And I could see where that would be yep, yep. You know, problematic. Uh, there was one other testimony that I think was significant, which came from uh, FBI special, special Agent Matthew Wild, uh, and this was regarding uh, cell phone data. Wild said that based on cell tower data, Murdaugh would have been near Moselle until approximately 9, 10 p.m. Remember, the time of the murders was pinned as 8.50. Uh, before his phone shows movement towards or around uh, Alameda, which is where the uh, his mom's house was until 9.46 p.m. when he started back to Moselle. So you take the combination of the mother's uh, caretaker that testified about the uh, tarp slash raincoat and her saying he was only there about 20 minutes, and you add to that the uh, the testimony from uh, the FBI regarding the mobile evidence that he was still in the Moselle area at 9, 10 p.m., 20 minutes after the murders. Uh, combine that with the video that was taken just minutes before right. the murders where we heard his voice. I think if I'm on that jury, I'm pretty well locked in that he was there at that time and yep. certainly in a position Fire to have committed. Fire up the prison bus. Fire up the prison bus. Give the great goose. Get him his number. So a woman was arrested in Wichita Falls, Texas, after she reportedly hit her daughter in the face with a box of cookies, specifically vanilla wafers. Nilla wafers. During an argument. That's right. Nilla wafers. N-I-L-L-A. <laughs> That's right. Uh, according to the probable cause affidavit on Monday, February 6th at 6.33 p.m., a Wichita Falls Police Department officer went to an apartment regarding a family disturbance. When the officer arrived, he spoke with the daughter, who said she and her mother Rhonda Kyle both lived in the apartment. The affidavit said the daughter, unnamed, was sitting on the couch when Kyle swung a box of vanilla wafers at her face. The box allegedly hit her left cheek, and she said she felt pain from being hit in the face with a box of vanilla wafers. And look, hey, I'm not saying I can't vouch for that. I might have been popped with a box of vanilla wafers yeah. once or twice, Wendy Chapman. Um, <laughs> the daughter, however, did not want to press charges. Now, the officer reportedly spoke with Kyle, who alleged her daughter came home and started yelling and cursing at her. Kyle reportedly said her daughter was calling her names. So Kyle retrieved the box of cookies and hit her with it. The daughter allegedly punched Kyle in the face twice 
And Kyle said, that's it. I'm calling the cops. You know what? I think the box of Nella Wafers is the first thing she could grab. My kid, 24, 23, however old, did all that shit to me. Mm. I'm going to grab the first thing I can is knock the shit out of them, too. <laughs> they just better be glad it was a box what of Nella Wafers. What a waste of vanilla wafers, right? God, do we, do we know? So, so the, the, the daughter's name's not being disclosed because she's a minor? Uh, I would guess, right? Uh, I would guess that is the case. But we don't know how old she was, right? So, Under the age of 18, for sure. Okay. But, I mean, it's one thing to, give, to pop a, a six-year-old with some Noah wafers or a three-year-old <laughs> a a versus a 15-year-old. So, yeah. Um, That's uh, right. That would be yeah. nice to know. That's funny. Yeah, so a judge, you know, he set the bond at $2,000 and – what do we learn from that story, folks? Never waste the vanilla wafers. That's right. Nothing is worth wafers. that. Wait, so the mother was booked. Yeah. That's okay, right. but I thought the daughter didn't want to press charges. Well, the daughter is a juvenile. She doesn't have that right. State, state will pick it up. Okay, so the, the officers that went there were the ones who decided to arrest. Yeah, yeah. Because, and they changed that when I was coming up because if you see a sign of anything and, and like, the kid would have had a mark on her face from the Nilla wafers, if you leave the kid in the home and what, what if the next time she pissed her off, she picks up a fire place stoker and, and kills her. Then it's, they, even then later that night, my rule was I'm not coming back twice. If I get called out the first time, somebody's leaving with me because you won't kill them that night. Right. Okay, but I don't know that you graduate from Nilla wafers to, uh, to could a fireplace poker. Shit, I've but, seen people hitting everything from a fucking uh, bag of sugar to firearms. Okay, but if you if we consider uh, cookies and cookie packaging as potential weapons, I, I mean, think there I think there are better choices. I mean, than, I'm going with double stuff Oreos. Don't those come in like kind of clear plastic packaging? Yeah, but they're heavier. Yeah, and easier to hum, too. Right. It's like throwing a Nerf. What if you open, <laughs> open it up, you got like 50 projectiles. <sighs> you could have right, you could have right, a double right, stuff. Right. Hey, double stuff for you. Listen. I'd be catching them when they've thrown them at me. Right, right in my mouth. Right. <laughs> you get, Do you guys they, like they that? They get famous on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you guys ever get those, the, the Walker shortbread? It comes yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, That's good. You know what I'm talking about? I, I've eaten shortbread. I okay, but it's brands. it's in a like a rectangular package. But the individual cookies are like they're like gold bricks. I mean they're they're really heavy. And it being, you know, rectangular like that, pretty easy to handle. Okay. That sucker. I, I, I mean I, I would think not not everybody's got walkers if, if in, have, their, in their in their uh, right. pantry. But if but. I have the time and the option to really do it I'm going in the closet and digging out that fruitcake you gave me last year, Mike. And I'm gonna use the fruitcake <laughs> in the tin and I'm gonna kill him. Okay, well that's really taking it up because yeah, you, you have like <laughs> David's cookies or Mrs. Fields or uh, that uh, the Danish one that you get around the holidays, yeah. any of those. I mean, now you're talking, right. that's a deadly weapon. Anything's a deadly weapon. My pinky. You just don't know the power of the pinky. <laughs> yeah. N- Nilla wafers just seems like <laughs> hey, not you better hope you don't have any Nilla wafers for the, for the Valentine's attack. when you get home. <laughs> it's the only thing around. <laughs> Nilla. You know why? Because they don't have yeah, any bugs. It's all vanilla wafers. I'm mad at them Those are for, for not having not for throwing vanilla in the vanilla wafers. They do yeah. taste pretty good, though. All right, y'all. So on a more serious note, and we we hate this. 
uh, our hearts go out to the victims in Michigan State University. They had three students killed and five critically wounded in a mass shooting, uh, and police ID'd the dead gunman. The three people killed and five critically wounded in a mass shooting at Michigan State University were all students at the university, police said Tuesday morning, as another U.S. community was left reeling after an hours-long manhunt and shelter-in-place orders. The gunman, who died of apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound, was identified as 43-year-old Anthony Dwayne McRae. Michigan State University Interim Deputy Police Chief Chris Roseman said McRae was not affiliated with the university. So they said, we have no idea why he came to the campus to do this tonight. And the gunman opened fire Monday evening at two campus locations, turning the sprawling university of about 50,000 students into a crime scene and forcing terrified students to run and hide as hundreds of officers in tactical gear swarmed the school. So, y'all, it's the only time you ever hear us mention this douchebag's name. The only honorable thing he did was off himself. And so the world would have to submit to a trial and all that. And I would submit to you that this death toll is going up. Five critically wounded on top of the three that are already brutally murdered. And at least one or two more will die. And it's a horrible thing. Yeah, and and this is something that just occurred within the last twelve hours. So right. the information is coming out at a at a pretty steady clip. And so listen to our Friday drop or we'll have a little more information and a little more of a grasp on on this situation. Yeah. Look, before we get out of here today, I want to uh I want to dedicate this show to a friend of mine that actually I had known since I was in middle school. She passed away uh this past uh actually it was yesterday. Uh and very good friend of of mine since I had hair y'all and uh, a good friend and workout partner of my wife's. So I wanted to dedicate this to Jean Savoy McAllister. I really uh, pray that your family can get through this. I know it's a difficult time for them and uh, we sure miss you down here already. So uh, prayers. I just wanted to do that. Everybody that loved her. Yeah. Uh, and until next time, for Real Life Real Crime Daily, I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Just want to say happy Valentine's Day to the ladies. Yes, happy Valentine's Day, ladies. Except my wife. That's right. We'll see you Friday. Even my girl Shabusiness back there in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Everyone deserves a Valentine. Right? Indeed. See you Friday. Peace. Shabusiness. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.